Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. You only have to do what you love, only do follow your passion, only do that. And it sounds all good, but it's not practical and it's not reality. You always have to do stuff you don't want to do and that you don't enjoy doing within that level of freedom that you're talking about. How great would it be to buy a piece of institutional quality income-producing commercial buildings? Well, now you can with Building Bits. It's not a REIT or a fund. Building Bits is a new platform for non-accredited investors where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. You can now invest in the same quality assets, which have previously only been available to institutions and wealthy individuals. Once you choose your building on BuildingBits.com, you can invest as little as $500 and receive your share of the rents while BuildingBits' team of real estate pros handles all the management aspects of the building. For the first time, the big corporations in America can actually start paying you. And when the building is sold in the future, the potential appreciation is redistributed to everyone so you don't just get the rental income but also share in the upside. Best of all, since these securities are SEC qualified, they are freely tradable immediately. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of their current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And we've got follow along Friday. And we've got a special guest with us, Lennon Lee. He's going to be talking shop with me on today's follow along Friday. Lennon, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Joe. Excited to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. I've known Lennon for three, four years. He's a great guy. He is the founder of Build Capital Group, which is a multifamily investing company. They recently purchased a large apartment community in Jacksonville, Florida. He's also the co-host of the first real estate investing podcast in Spanish, and it's called Se Habla Real Estate. That's it. If you put me in a Spanish-speaking country for six weeks, believe it or not, despite me tripping over, say, Abla just a second ago, I can communicate at the level of, of a first grader. Well, that's good enough. Yeah, man. I can talk first grader talk if I'm embedded in a Spanish-speaking country for a little over a month. Well, Lennon, cool. looking forward to our conversation. So we've got some things today where, as with all follow-along Fridays, 
we're going to talk about some lessons we've learned, but it's more about how we can help the best ever listeners through these observations. So I know you recently closed on the property in Jacksonville and you've got a couple things that you have learned as well as some mindset stuff. So you want to just kick it off? Definitely. Let's get into it, man. So yeah, like you said, we just recently closed on a 138 unit property in Jacksonville, Florida. We're very excited about this deal. We're already implementing the business plan. Things are going very well. And there are a lot of lessons learned during the process and everything, but a few came to mind when we talked about it. And the first thing, one of the most important things is building your team and vetting every team member that you're going to have, especially the property management company, which is at the end of the day, aside from, I guess, the bank, your biggest partner, right? They're handling the operations and the day-to-day stuff. So I'm not going to get into the vetting of the property management company and all that, because I think that's the obvious part. But if you do a good job at selecting your property management company, you interviewed several of them in the market, I guess you definitely understand that they're the experts in the market. So I think putting trust into these guys, once you start the deal and once you start the operations, it's very, very important we've realized because a lot of the work that you need to do upfront or going into the deal is understanding what relationship the property management has with the vendors, all the vendors for the property from the maintenance guy, for the maintenance company, landscaping, pool servicing, every vendor. And for us, it was important to tell the property management company, hey guys, okay, we selected you guys. Let's go and talk to all the vendors so we understand who they are and what they do exactly. But we are going to trust you guys. So we're not going to come here and say, well, this guy goes, this guy stays, etc. We're going to give you a chance to prove that you've built a good relationship with these guys. And if you trust them, we're going to trust you guys. They were very, very appreciative of that. And that allows for, a, I guess, a seamless transition into this relationship that you're building with this team. So that was very, very important for us. It seems like that would be a typical response where the multifamily owner trusts the management company and their vendors, but you said they were very appreciative of that. So have they come across other multifamily owners who don't trust their relationships with the vendors and therefore the owner tries to get into the details and it messes the whole operation up? Yes, that's what they told us. They said, well, our particular company, they recently started doing third-party management. They're a vertically integrated company and they do their own management, but now they're doing third party and uh, they've come across some clients or potential clients that from the get-go were trying to jump in, try to change everything and change the vendors and do their own thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but if you do a good job at trusting the team and you understand who these guys are and how they operate before going into the deal, then you want to trust them because it's important for their relationship. And then Obviously, you want to keep them on their toes. And then if the vendor or whoever is not working, then you take action. But placing that trust up front, it allows for them to be more confident on the operations and what they do. And that's worked very well for us so far. So that's a quick tip there. Yeah. To me, with a property management company has relations with vendors and contractors, they likely have more scale than what the owner would have because the property management company has multiple properties that they manage versus the owner not having as many. Usually that's the case. 100%. Yeah, the management company has better pricing and probably more competitive rates that they receive versus the owner. But I understand 
if an owner is wanting to get into certain aspects of honing a process, like maybe website that the property has, maybe the website's archaic, or maybe there's a process with the leasing office where they aren't entering into 2019, they're still back in 1990 and doing something that could be optimized. And if you do find that as an owner, that's a sign of some larger issues with the management company. Because if you do find that you need to optimize a lot of the process with the management company, then they're probably not doing other things correctly or the best way. And so you're probably going to end up switching companies because by the time you go to optimize all the things that are wrong or not running as efficiently, then you're just recreating an entire company. And not only are you spending a lot of time on that, but you're also probably upsetting the management company because you're messing with what they're doing and it's just not a right fit. So as an owner, if you see yourself doing that, then take a hard look at actually who you've hired and they're probably not the right fit anyway. Exactly. So that basically means you probably didn't do a good job on selecting the property management company. And and again, you can make that mistake. That's fine, but that's probably what it is. So what else you got? I think you Um, mentioned the mindset stuff too. Yes. Well, this is something that I wanted to talk about because I recently had a conversation with a potential partner. It's a company that they work with French investors and they bring a lot of capital and we have the same, I guess, vision in terms of the asset class that we want to focus on, et cetera. So it has a, a lot of potential. And the other day, he actually reached out to me and said, hey, man, we have come across our desk. we got some development projects that we are potentially interested in. I just wanted to know if you were interested in jumping on board and doing something with that. And I actually said, well, thanks for the offer. That's not what we do. We focus specifically in stabilized acquisitions, not ground up development, stabilized properties. And I explained why we do it and explained how capital preservation was at the core of our strategy. So cash flowing properties from day one, it's a substantial component of that capital preservation strategy. So he actually came back and said, wow, I love the focused approach. I definitely understand. And I think that's very valuable for your investors that you're keeping in your lane and staying true to what you preach, I guess. And I guess the takeaway there is it's just that, right? The hyper-focused approach, staying in your lane, it's paramount. There's a lot of shiny objects out there. As you continue to do deals and you get more in-depth in the industry and build more relationships, you're going to get pulled from all different directions, trying to do all different deals on different markets even. And I think that's a dangerous game because one of the things right now in this market is being so hot is that you want to be flexible. You have your criteria, your discipline, but you need to have a level of flexibility to look at deals that might be a little bit outside of your criteria just to improve that deal flow. But that's a fine line there between that and actually saying, well, you know what? I'm going to start doing development deals or anything that's outside of your realm of expertise. So that's a lesson learned. And it actually felt good that people appreciate it, that you have that approach and that you're focused. And this guy saw it. I'm sure all of my investors definitely see it. And when everyone sees it, that brings a lot of value to your business for sure. And it's such a relief to be focused on one thing and not have to assess other things because it's so overwhelming. It would be, I don't know, because I've been laser focused on what you said, cash flowing apartment communities where we can add value. 
is so refreshing to be laser focused on that and not have to worry about, oh, well, this new development or this fix and flip or this hard money loan, or this could be a good wholesale deal or self-storage, or maybe we develop on this piece of land. Look, it's close to the path to progress. Mm -hmm. You can make money in any type of real estate investing. It's just what do you choose to do? And then when you choose to do it, then stay focused on it. Because if you're not having success in whatever aspect of real estate you're choosing to do, one of two things. One is you're going about it the wrong way. So just simply learn the process from people who have been successful doing what you're choosing to do. Or two, that doesn't align with what you're naturally good at. And you need to reconfigure your role within that process so that you're doing what you're naturally good at and then bring on the right team members to help you take it to the other level. Because it's certainly possible for you to be focused on one thing and then be bad at it. But that is because most likely that you are using your talents inefficiently and ineffectively. So it's say you're really good at bringing capital to deals, but you're trying to bring the capital, oversee the property managing company, look at construction budgets, do the asset management, get the loan, but you're terrible at all that other stuff. Well, just focus on what you're good at, but you can still be focused within a certain asset class as well as within a certain business plan within the asset class. I love that you mentioned that because it does reinforce something that I believe strongly about. Yeah, definitely. I know you do. And actually, now that you mentioned, like, you can make money on every type of real estate. I actually remember we were recently in Jacksonville. I did a pop-up meetup event. I do monthly meetups events here in Miami where I'm local, but we just bought this property in Jacksonville. We were touring the property with some of our investors, meeting the property management team and doing some operational activities there. But I said, you know what, I'm going to do a pop-up meetup, trying to meet some other investors and just network and have some fun. One person actually asked me, hey, I've seen you on different podcasts or videos and I've been following you for a little bit. And this guy literally nothing about real estate or anything, but he was just curious. And basically his question was, so what is it that you're so excited about? What's that multifamily stuff? Tell me, what are you selling me? Sell me on it, right? First, I was like, I'm not selling anything. I'm an investor first myself. So I'm basically providing opportunity for other people to join us, blah, 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 which is all true and fine. But then I say, well, it's a genuine question, right? Like at the end of the day, we're all selling something. It's not a bad thing really to, to, to be selling. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to figure out what is it really that we're selling? What's the product here? What's the investment? And obviously, well, no, that's multifamily real estate and this and that, but Really, that's not it because you can make money on any type of real estate, any type of anything really, but that's just the vehicle. Where are we going? What do we want to achieve? And I think that's freedom, financial freedom or freedom or whatever that means for you. For everyone's different, but it is freedom at the end and real estate is just a vehicle. So understanding that changes everything because the way you communicate with investors, with partners, the way that you can build relationship with potential partnerships if you have that same alignment of the vision or of what you're pursuing and you have a very clear, I think that allows you to build stronger partnerships, stronger relationships for the long term. Yep, absolutely. It's depending on where people are at and how they define financial freedom, financial abundance, generational wealth, mm -hmm. or ultimately it's doing what you want with your time. 
Exactly. Um, and that's what it boils down to. I'd say 90% of what I do right now with my time is what I want with my time, but I still got 10% that it's like, oh, really? I got to do this? Fine. Let, all right, I'll do this. Yeah. So it's really, in my opinion, it's optimizing our life to spend time how we want to spend it, I guess, 100% of the time. I'm not sure if that's possible. Perhaps it is where you're doing what you want with your time 100% of the time. But I'd say I'm at around 90% right now. And when you're making good money and you're at 90%, then you know you found what you should be doing, in my opinion. Yeah, that's why that's the goal, right? And a lot of people say, well, you only have to do what you love, only do follow your passion, only do that. And it sounds all good, but it's not practical and it's not reality. You always have to do stuff you don't want to do and that you don't enjoy doing within that level of freedom that you're talking about. So sometimes I think it's good to stop and appreciate because I feel right now I'm at a point that I feel like Michael Jordan or someone that actually they've been successful at what they do and what they love. They're always envious of these sports guys that they actually get to play for a living and all that. And I'm doing what I love and I do what I enjoy and everything. But sometimes you get so caught up in the day-to-day grind and everything that it starts feeling like a job. Or it starts feeling like work, which is fine. But I think when that happens, you probably want to step back a little bit and appreciate, hey, I'm actually doing what I love. So appreciation for what you do, if you truly enjoy it and love it, I think it's also something that you want to practice every day. Yep. Chris Beard, the basketball coach for Texas Tech University, which is in the Final Four in Minneapolis. So root for the Red Raiders. And Mm -hmm. if they do make the championship on Monday, Colleen, my wife and I, you know Colleen, But for anyone else, we plan on going to Minneapolis to see the championship game, fly in like Monday morning and fly out Tuesday morning or something. So when they beat Michigan State on Saturday, we plan on doing that. But anyway, I mentioned Chris Beard for Texas Tech because he talks about enjoy the process, not just the destination. You got to enjoy the journey because we spend so much time on the journey and we are at the destination for a hot second. And then we're on to the more journey. All right, we got to keep rolling. We got a little bit of time left. And a couple things I have observed from some interviews I did last week. One is Michael Craig. He's in Austin, Texas. He talked about how he paid a contractor $3,000 and then the contractor disappeared. (laughs) And that's not a unique story that has happened to many people. And the thing I learned from this though is the contractor was referred by his brother. He was allegedly a friend of his brother. So Mike asked his brother, hey, do you know a good contractor? And Mike's brother said, sure, I have a friend and his name is such and such. Work with this person. And turns out after the contractor did a couple jobs and then just flew the coop was Mike asked his brother, hey, how well did you know your friend? And his brother's like, oh, I didn't know him very well. So what that made me think of is two things. One is when getting referrals, ask that person who's giving you the referral, how well do you know that person? And then on the flip side, when we give referrals, mention how well we know that person we're referring to the person who needs the referral. Because I'm certainly guilty of this. When people ask me, hey, do you know someone who can do such and such? Or do you know someone who is good at XYZ? I always want to help that person. So I'm always trying to connect the dots. Judy Robinette has a book called How to Be a Power Connector. And she talks about how you can connect others 
and be very valuable for both parties. And that's true as long as you are connecting them with good people. And I always think I am, but I don't always know the people who I'm giving out as referrals very well. I just know them kind of okay in some instances. So I'm going to start when I give referrals in the future, I'm going to qualify that referral that I'm giving the person. I'm going to say, hey, I recommend so-and-so because I've heard them on a podcast talking about it or because I've worked with them once or twice or I've known them for three years or four years. That way, I'm giving some context for my relationship with this person so that the person who's going to contact the referral, they know how well or not well I do or don't know the person. So I thought that was really interesting, something that can help out anyone regardless of what you're working on. Yeah, I would guess that's especially challenging in your case since you talk and interview so many people. people. (laughs) 1,700 people. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I got three things, then we'll wrap up. Second thing is yesterday... I got a four and a half month old, about to be five month old daughter. And my wife, Colleen was upstairs doing some stuff. And I had Quinn, that's our our daughter. I had Quinn downstairs and I thought it'd be nice to just tidy up the kitchen while I had Quinn because Colleen typically does that. So I tidied up the kitchen. I put all the stuff away. And then I noticed that Colleen's phone was downstairs in the kitchen. And so was mine. And I know that Colleen loves having her phone fully charged. It's just one of her, <laughs> it's just one of her things. And it was like at 82% and my phone was at 22%. And so I look at him like, hmm. So I'm pretty sure Colleen's going to be happy with me for tidying up the kitchen, but what can I do to go above and beyond so that she's really like, oh, wow, this is awesome. So I plug in her phone, even though it's like 82% and I have that puppy charging. Sure enough, she walks down and she's like, oh, wow, you cleaned up. Thank you so much. And then she walks over to her phone and she's like, whoa, (laughs) you are charged. Phones getting charged. Talk about royal treatment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh, I it's the small like, stuff. It's the small stuff. And the point of this story is when we do renovations on properties and we're putting in $5,000 per unit and we're doing hardwood flooring and we're doing fixtures and we're putting in nice bathroom mirrors, make sure that you know what are those couple things that residents really truly care about that can take the unit over the top or take the living experience over the top. And it's going to be specific to that property in that submarket. Yeah. So sometimes it might be, hey, we allow pets where others don't. Other times it might be a certain backsplash. Other times it might be granite countertops. It just depends on your business plan, the submarket. Remember that you want a resident to walk into your unit or into the property and say, wow, I'm getting the royal treatment. This is above and beyond what I was expecting. And you can do that based on your knowledge of your target demographic. So first you need to know what they care about. And then once you know what they care about, then you can go to deliver on that. And continuously be learning what they care because their needs and wants uh, change along the way. So you want to adjust for that and understand what value in as time goes. Absolutely. Your property manager will be letting you know that. And then there's certain surveys you can do for ongoing evaluation of it. And then the third thing, Danny Coleman, he's based in Columbia, Tennessee. 
And by the way, the interview with Mike Craig will come out in about 30 days. And the interview with Danny Coleman will come out in about 30 days or so. So Danny Coleman, Columbia, Tennessee, his specialty is helping businesses find the right talent. I think he does more than that, but our conversation really focused on helping businesses find the right talent. And we went really deep in the interview process and how to attract the right candidates for your job that you have open. So any best ever listener who's looking to hire someone or is currently hiring someone, then I'd listen up to this because there's some really good tips here. And listen to the whole interview because I'm not doing it justice for what we talked about in total. But here are some really good things I thought. When creating a job posting, do three things. One is have specific instructions for how to apply to the job. So for example, say in the job description, have a write a cover letter and in the subject of your email, when you email it to me or to the hiring manager, put the name of the position and the date that you're sending it and put the date in this format. So be very specific. That way you can initially weed out all the people who are mindlessly applying to the position or aren't going to pay attention to the details that you need them to pay attention to. So that's one, be specific with how to apply. Number two is in the job description, write the reason the job exists right out of the gate. So if it's an admin position, this position exists so that the company's CEO can use his or her time most effectively and is able to do whatever it is they do. This person is going to serve as the right-hand person for the CEO, blah, blah, blah. Whatever the reason the job exists is, write that there and then complement that right below. This is number three with describing them as a person. So this position exists for XYZ reasons. And this is a little bit about you. And then you talk about the actual person you describe them. You're a detail oriented person. You do what you say you're going to do. You always follow through. You have a knack for taking a project and running with it with little oversight. And that way, whenever they're reading the description, they're shaking their head like, yep, That's me. That's me. So those are three tips when creating the job posting. And there's a lot of other tips that Danny talks about for actually the in-person interview. He talks about opening up and mentioning a couple things about yourself as the interviewer so that it then lets the candidate open up a little bit more and makes them feel more comfortable because you don't want to learn about the best version of the candidate's self you want to learn about what is the person that the candidate, True version, yeah. who they are on an ongoing basis, right? right? So on interviews, so often it's easy to get caught up in, okay, this is who I want to be and I am occasionally versus, hey, who are you really on an ongoing basis? So asking them about their future plans, books they're reading, and one more describe what motivates you and one more describe what frustrates you and just really getting a sense of that. So we got to roll because I have a call with a new investor that starts in 60 seconds. So I got to roll out of here. But Lennon, how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Well, the best way would be to follow me on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram and Facebook. So my Instagram handle is the multifamily investor. Also through the company's email, I always check the email, contact at bldcapitalgroup.com. Cool. Hey, Lennon. Good seeing you. Good hanging out with you. Thank, thanks Always, for man. being on the show. And best ever listeners, I hope you got a lot of value from today's conversation we had with Lennon. And I hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you again soon. Wouldn't it be nice to buy a piece of institutional quality income producing commercial real estate buildings for as little as $500? 
Now you can with Building Bits. Building Bits is a new platform where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available only for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of the current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.